guest that will be joining us to as Seth Fisher said in the chat close the show we'll have Jonathan Papelbon on with us um Phillies Red Sox Nationals reliever icon you know the stats and also with that some stats and numbers for you 71 days until opening day 27 days until pitchers and catchers report we're getting closer guys it's happening the countdown's getting hard to keep track of but uh it's really not that difficult Says the man that can't read words. What? No, no, no. I can read words. <laughs> I can't pronounce certain names. Okay. So tomorrow or today after the show, we just no because this, flip this gets back. moved. We'll just keep the numbers up. I know, but I keep I I don't I I've been changing it You're around. It more I use it for the union show. Uh, I've been playing with it. It's like a toy now, so it's never the same. Uh, but welcome right. into PHY Phillies podcast. Tyler Zuli, Jamie Lynch, Renee Washington here. Jamie's the numbers guy, apparently. Um, listen, lots to talk about today, Jamie. Uh, first, I'm gonna just give a quick rant because I'm sick and tired of the ice skating rinks that are the Philadelphia streets and sidewalks. I saw so many broken ankles as kids were walking to school. I literally watched kids fall over their parents had to like hold them up by the backpack as they were slipping and sliding do better do better yeah my wife's a teacher in west philly and she said uh the bus had to be like rerouted around the corner because it couldn't Ugh. come down the street closest to the school she said it was an ice skating rink over there and uh, yeah the philly school district got uh, roasted yesterday it's for awful. staying open uh when all the surrounding areas were pretty much closed you know, half of the teachers basically come from the suburbs, so it's like, right. you know, there's daycare. Even though the kids may like, be walking. Yeah, and then there's public transportation. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. And Mrs. Parker could have stepped in and shut it down. She didn't. I don't know if there's a shortage of rock salt, but use some cat litter. There's options. There's no reason to have I gotta ice skating I got to pick up some salt rinks. on the way home. I thought my, I, I keep one in the uh, garage, like one of those Home oh, Depot yeah. buckets, and I went to grab it, and I thought it was totally full, and there was like that much, and I was like, ah, shit. Well, at least you had some. I did have a little. It's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad. It's slippery out there, and people were driving like um, like normal, like dickheads today. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, some people go too far the other way, like twelve miles, twelve miles an I was hour. Grandma, twenty-five. I was okay. buying it. I was behind somebody lie. going like thirteen today <laughs> in a Tesla, and I was like, maybe don't drive a fucking Tesla in an ice storm. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was definitely grandma. I don't like. I don't like driving in icy conditions. You just never know. You just. It's. It's. You know what? It's not me. It's, it's everybody fun as else. hell if nobody's around and you can like actually like turn and like skid. No, if, no, if nobody's, no if nobody's around, it's pretty fun to drive on. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no. But unfortunately, I've had some scary skids. But what makes me nervous is it's everybody else. That's why I drive slow and defensive. It's not me. Like my car, I trust. It's everybody else that drives. Like well, lunatic. my first tip to somebody like taking a driving lesson or beginning to drive would say just anticipate everybody else being an asshole. Correct. And you have to kind of. And the ones that want to slip and slide and skid like yeah. you. Well, I don't like 
I only want to if it's like an empty parking lot and you can like really let one go. And All right, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> don't bring up Paul Walker again. <laughs> All right. Oh, and thank you, Chris. That was the other thing I wanted to say really quickly while we're just having this quick rant to start off the show. Please clean off the top of your cars. I feel like that's an unspoken rule when you have sheets of, forget just the snow that flies off. Now, today, when it's so icy and cold, it's ice. It's literally sheets of ice flying off your cars. Trucks had it happening. It's dangerous. It's not okay. So between the rock salt and people not cleaning off their cars. I'm a little bit frustrated today. But also today in Philly's history, something very interesting happened. Back in December of 2002, the Braves traded Kevin Millwood to the Phillies in exchange for Johnny Estrada. And then in January, on January 17th of 2003, the Phillies and Kevin Millwood avoided salary arbitration and agreed to a one-year, whomping $9.9 million contract on this day. That was 21 years ago. And at this time, what makes this significant is it was the largest single-season salary for a pitcher in Phillies history. Yeah, it's pretty wild. wild. It's um, (laughs) Kudos to John Middleton for uh, taking this... This franchise out of the, uh, the the poor boys club and into uh, the rich boys club. So appreciate John Middleton for Thank changing goodness. the way of this because 9.9 million. Now, granted, salaries were different back then, but still, uh, the fact that you had only paid 9.9 million. So fun Kevin Millwood story. I was an intern in D.C. Ooh. at the George Michael Sports Machine, uh, and they used to call me Philly because because I was from Philly. And oh, okay. So that day, randomly, one of my jobs, and this is like almost like kind of pre-everything being digital age, I had to chart the games, log and chart the games to cut highlights with the editors. So like that was my job. So you'd come in and you'd just get assigned to a random game. Uh, and it happened. That was a day game. Kevin Millwood's no hitter. Yeah. They said, hey, Philly, why don't you take uh, the Phillies game today? And I went, all right, cool. So I sat there and logged, charted um, every pitch of Kevin Millwood's no hitter game. Wow. And I actually convinced myself that Kevin Millwood was like great to have. Like these were good times. And boy, how things have improved. Um, that was in April of 2003. Yes, I'm just, it's an only Kevin Millwood story I have. It's, it's insane to think about how much has changed since then for you, Philly. Yeah. And also for the Phillies so, as a whole and in general. Yeah. I charted <laughs> wow. Kevin Millwood's no hooder and I, I watched every pitch. Man. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. There, buddy. What a time. What a time. Um, A lot has changed since then. And also with that, we're getting the next generation of Phillies prospects. We have had so many rankings that have come out, so many lists that have come out. I know uh, Major League Baseball just began doing their prospect list by position, where they're now breaking down every single position. And today was the first day starting with right-handed pitchers. We had Andrew Painter at number four on that list. Mick Abel was on that list at number seven. They also gave superlatives for right-handed pitchers. Painter did get uh, a superlative for control. Even though he won't pitch in 2024, they still felt like from 2022, with his walking of just 2.2 per nine while pitching across three levels. That's pretty good. That's a great superlative for him. Abel got the superlative of curveball um, because of that distinct breaking pitch that he's able to throw and how he's been able to stand out and consistently do that. But then also with that list, we finally got the Baseball America top 10 for Phillies prospects. Jamie and I, as we've been deep diving, going down on the farm each and every show, uh, have been giving our predictions of what the order is going to be for top 10. And now Baseball America came out with theirs as well. So uh, pretty interesting to see the list here. You have it. 
At number one, Andrew Painter, Justin Crawford, number two, McAble, three, Aiden Miller, four, Starlin Kaba at five, over at six, Orion Kirkering, questionable as a prospect at this point, but he still was considered technically, logistically on a our prospect. On our list, um, we yes, did not we do consider, not consider him, him a, a prospect, prospect anymore. Brian Rincon at seven, you've got William Bergoglia at eight, Eduardo Tahit, who's, Tahit, whose last name we're still trying to figure out. It, to me, looks like Tate, but Tahit sounds possible, too. I think it was and then uh, Gabriel Spiral Rinconis at number 10. Us. Yes, Spiral Out did. So um, there you have it. Baseball America's top 10 list. A little bit different from ours, of course, just from the fact we don't have Orion on our list. Uh, Fangraphs has too, their list yeah, out. Not but too different than ours. I think uh, Gabriel Rincones wasn't in our top 10. I'll have to look at our list. He was number 10 for us. Oh, he was number 10. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty similar. Austin Baseball America, the same. Alex McFarland's the only one that we had in our list that's not on the Baseball America top 10. Mm. But yeah, everybody else But is we didn't have Orion, so we had an extra spot to fill. Exactly. Mm. So if he's number 11 on Baseball America, uh, ergo, me and you are Baseball America. Pretty much. That's what yeah. I got from that. Yeah. I agree, Jamie. We're, Absolutely. We're basically scouts. <laughs> right, Tyler? You would confirm. Yeah, I, me and you sat uh, at, a, at a lot of uh, FCL games this year. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I remember I'm that. The, I'm, known, I'm known as the pronunciation guy. Uh, me and you as in me, you and you? Because you just said me and you as in singular no, individual. You as a team. You too. I didn't mean me and Jamie specifically. <laughs> like, I feel like I got left no, out of that. No, me, me and you the as in, as in the kidding. two of you plus me. No. Uh, CMC <laughs> McGarry. Uh, no, McGarry has plummeted down the Phillies yeah. prospect list. Um, you know, Fangrass had, I think, on 24, 25. We started our top 25 list with Griff McGarry at number 25. Yeah. So I think the hope for McGarry um, is maybe he can become a bullpen piece. Uh, but it seems like it's pretty much do or die year for Griff McGarry. Uh, a year ago, the team's number three prospect, now like 24, 25, depending on where people are putting them. Not great. Not at all. That's why with the prospects, you just you just never know. They're so young. Um, I know the prospect we're going to talk about today, very young. They're, you're talking about 17, 18-year-olds, um, 19, where you have no idea what the trajectory of how their career is going to actually pan out. So to Lisa, thank you so much. We are better than Baseball America. There you go, trio. Yeah, maybe Chris Slemmer. Like he's it. a middle relief guy. Uh, still <laughs> talking to Gary. But, yeah, like, hopes and this is why, like, you can't overlove prospects. Bingo. You know what I mean? Like Sixto Sanchez, Jason Donald, uh, Kyle Drabeck. You know, like you can go on and on. Just because uh, historically the Phillies have had pretty much shit farm systems, mm -hmm. uh, you can't overrate. Just because he's a one or two in the Phillies system historically doesn't mean he's a one or two on every other team. That one or two on the Phillies might be a six or seven with the Indians or Orioles, you know. That's like, a good point. So like you, you just can't overlove your prospects to a degree. Now you have to pick your guys like Andrew Painter and Justin Crawford. I believe are guys mm -hmm. they've kind of put in a bubble. Uh, maybe Aiden Miller has played himself into that too, where you want to protect them, but like yeah. you can't protect all top ten prospects. I mean, the Dodgers just traded away their number two prospect. Mm -hmm. So you know it's it happens. Sometimes a proven commodity is more important. Yeah, absolutely. Hammers in here saying Dom Brown. Yeah, Dom <laughs> Brown rated higher than Mike Trout. So like you know the prospect thing is it's a fine balance to walk and that's why Dave Dombrowski and these front office execs get paid the big bucks you got to protect the ones you really really believe in and other than that like if you could rewind a year probably should have moved Griff McGarry 
Like, if yeah, you were projecting that he's going to be your 25th to. prospect from third, probably should have moved him because then at the time you're going, oh, well, he's the Phillies' number three prospect. Another team might view him totally differently. Yeah, so now his prospect, uh, you know, ability to be moved is has plummeted. But the hard part is there are names that are on the other side of it. I know Hypothetical Man's bringing up producing, you know, Stott, Boehm, um, Ranger, Sanchez, different young young players that have been able to develop and improve. <clears throat> and yeah, there are some that it does work with and there's some that it doesn't, but that's the thing you just don't know. I, that's what it comes down to. A guaranteed versus a potential move, you never know. Um, but as we're talking about prospects, one name that we no longer consider a prospect, Orion Kirkering. Uh, now, Orion has big things that are uh, planned for him in the future. High expectations, especially even from the little bit that we got to see him at the end of the regular season in the playoffs last year, that many of us, like the three of us, have high expectations for Orion. And Orion did have a chance to attend Major League Baseball's Rookie Career Development Program. And also with that, um, MLB.com's Jonathan Mayo had a chance to chat with Orion and uh, talk about his career and his growth and progression into the majors. And it was also um, just great to see. I, I, I like his story. I remember talking about it when uh, we first saw his debut back in September that, you know, I'm all about movie-like stories, and this is another one, similar to me that... Yeah, his dad crying great, was one of the highlights of the year. It was yeah, pretty cool. it's a great movie plot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I listened to the interview with Jonathan Mayo, and uh, my takeaway, you know, it was pretty much a fluff piece, more or less, yeah, and I, I don't say that to in, indict Jonathan Mayo accurate. or anything. I think it was just one of those things. Uh, but my <laughs> takeaway from it was how kind of special this Phillies locker room is. Uh, you know, he asked him about like his meteoric rise from fifth round pick to basically pitching in the NLCS and, and what that was like for him. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty wild. You know, I walk into the locker room and there's Trey Turner, Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto. And it wasn't like they big timed me at all. It was like, hey, Aww. glad you're here. You can help us out. Let's get to work. And uh, he talked a couple times about how like. He was just able to be himself, walk into the locker room and get on the pitching mound and try and help. And there was no like big timey. It was kind of like an open clubhouse. And we'll talk to Jonathan Papelbon today about that, uh, because sometimes in baseball, like there's things more important yes. or equally as important, I should say, as the actual X's and O's of the game of baseball. Like a, a clubhouse, when you play 162 games together over the course of the year, mm -hmm. is a major factor in, in perhaps some guy's success rate um, and, you know, the chances they get. So my takeaway from Rio Ryan interview was this Phillies locker room is as special as they all talk about it as. Yeah, and that's why, as we even discuss the slumps and potential and progress and development, a big part of that is everything off the outside of just baseball. It's outside of your talent. How comfortable do you feel in this clubhouse? Yeah. And as you talk about with Orion, you know, being able to walk in and feel like, okay, I belong here. I'm at home. This is a family. This is a space where I can thrive and do and and do what I do best. Versus coming into it feeling like the young new kid on the block. That's huge. So the chemistry, as we've seen for many teams can literally make or break how players progress and how your team does overall. So I did, it, even though it was a fluff piece, I feel like yeah. it's a great reminder of just how, you know, the camaraderie is in the clubhouse for the Phillies and that it is something special. Yeah, and if you're looking for chemistry, you know, <laughs> whether it be in a clubhouse or, you know, chemistry with your team, buying a new home, uh, then I might recommend checking out Mortgage CS because if you've yeah. ever been through the home buying process, it is a total pain in the ass. 
you know, Joe Average or Jane Average out there doesn't know the ins and outs of the industry, what you should be looking for, the credit precautions you should be taking ahead of time to make sure you get the best deal. But you know who does? Ben and Alec over at Mortgage CS. It stands for Mortgage Concierge Service. It's a white glove service, and they're a local company. They're an independent mortgage broker based right here in Philadelphia. Uh, so it gives them full control over the lenders they work with, and they're going to have you ba- your back. We, Me and Renee sat down with Alec and Ben uh, and the Flyers guys to talk a little bit about their business model and their service and what they do to educate and empower the home buyer. And let me tell you, if I had these guys during my two previous uh, home buying experiences, I, I would have felt much better about uh, everything. They were terrific, and you really get the feeling that they got your back. They got your back so much that Ben, the CEO, he's just giving out his cell phone number left and right. If you have any questions about the mortgage process. Maybe two, three years from now, you're thinking about buying a home, but you want to get ahead of it and work in advance. Text Ben right now, 267-391-7425. Hell, maybe you want to text him, hey, that Tippett goal the other night was a beauty. Man, did you see that? Do you want to text him, hey, is Nick Sirianni getting fired today? It doesn't matter. Just shoot Ben a text. He's going to get back to you. They're there 24-7 to provide exceptional customer service. Uh, They have a ton of easy uh, tools on their website to make the mortgage process more approachable for you. And when you hear the word mortgage, think of Mortgage CS. Think of Ben and Alec. Save Ben's telephone number. Again, 267-391-7425 to your phone. Email Ben at ben at mortgagecs.com. And as I said, you can call or text Ben any time of the day or night and just talk Philly sports if you want a friend. Check out Mortgage CS com slash PHLY to get started. The advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS ID 1464766. Visit MortgageCS.com for more information. And you know where else you can go to take advantage of some great deals? That's over at FOCO, the leading sports and entertainment manufacturer. They've got a ton of great things that you can purchase. Merchandise that ranges from bobbleheads and collectibles like the one behind me on our shelves here to jerseys and shirts and apparel like the ones behind me over my other shoulder here. Lots of merchandise you can buy to rock your favorite gear. They've got anything from head to toe that you can wear. Hats, sunglasses, hoodies, scarves, t-shirts, overalls slippers, socks, slippers and socks. They've got it all there at FOCO. So you can take advantage of our code PHLY10 to be able to get 10% off of your purchase over at FOCO to save. They already have great prices. They do a ton of different deals throughout the course of the year. I know they had one for National Bobblehead Day. They also had like 50% off for National Hat Day. Lots of deals over at FOCO that you can take advantage of. Again, the code is PHLY to be able to get 10% off over at FOCO. So we did get a confirmation from Mr. Papelbon just a few minutes ago. He will be joining us in about 10 minutes. Countdown to Papelbon. As somebody that's booked uh, professional athletes throughout my career, uh, it's always a guessing game. It's very much a guessing game. (laughs) Are they going to show up? I don't know. They said yes. Maybe. And they can literally say we'll be there in 10 minutes and not show up in 10 minutes. You just never know. Excited to talk to him. I'm uh, looking forward to it. I I am going to ask him about his reputation in Philadelphia because some of the feedback you get on on a guy like Papabon um, is is not overwhelmingly positive. So I I do want to ask him if he wishes part of his career was here during some better 
years. Mm. Uh, you know, that's he came right at the start of yeah. that that just like bad decade. Yeah, and things just were not good. And, that's a good know. point. And there were we even saw it on the comments to our tweet when we were sharing that Papelbon was going to be joining us on the show today. Not all positive, but you know, that's where it, timing is everything. And speaking of timing, back in 2021, the Phillies started making some moves as they hired Ani Colombi to help them become a leader in baseball analytics. Alex Coffey has a piece on this that just dropped, talking about the Phillies analytics department doing a good job of, ha- of just breaking down how much progress the department has helped with the doubling of their R&D department. The Phillies have been able to change how they evaluate and project player performance, Coffee says. And then Alex goes on to talk about just the impact that specifically Ani Columbia has had and also how Ani's been able to help others, such as someone like Caleb Cotham. These are the behind-the-scenes types of moves when you talk about timing and development and progression that can help your club by just having the right brains in place to be able to foster you know the environment you want so yeah it's a great, great piece, piece by alex um you know in 2016 i think they only had one they call it r&d research and development program one staffer now i think they have the highest uh, staff Teach. in baseball so they've clearly grown it and ani is a, a huge reason why uh, the quote from caleb cotham because you know a lot of times we'll bitch about the phillies lineup or this and that yeah. it, it truly is i think a collaborative effort between the analytics department the r&d department uh you know Rob Thompson in creating a lot of this stuff. Uh, but Caleb Cotham in, in Alex's piece credits uh, Ani for making him a better coach. Here's the quote. It says, sometimes it's almost like Ani is a coach to me because some of these things, call it data, analytics, sabermetrics, can be used as a sword to be smacked over people's heads. Like, no, you shouldn't do this, or you should do that, or this is dumb. His healthy skepticism, his ability to sit and talk baseball, not just recruit everyone to a certain way of thinking, I really enjoy it. I leave our meetings as a better coach. I love that. That's pretty high praise for a quote-unquote analytics guy from a baseball guy. Um, so it seems like, you know, I didn't really know much about him before Alex's piece, but it seems like he is a, a great conduit between the analytics department and the quote-unquote baseball guys. So yeah. good for him. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's short-sighted to discredit the R&D um, research as a reason for the uptick in success. Yeah, because it, it's about having the right people in place. Baseball specifically is such a, a data and analytical sport that to be able to have you know colleagues that are able to feed you information and insight is, is beneficial. And so it's investing in those areas like an R&D team that can help your coaches and help your players, and it just tri- trickles down from there. Yeah, so like I know uh, Nick Castellanos' defense improved in part because of the R&D department. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's credited in the piece as helping – uh, Jeff Hoffman throw the curve more. Right. Uh, so, like, you know, they do have a big impact on things, and it shows you, again, we talk about Kevin Millwood, uh, you know, 21 years ago being the highest-paid Phillies pitcher of all time. Wild. Now, like, you know, you have analytics and high-paid players, and the Phillies and John Middleton have really come a long way um, from my childhood Phillies. So it's all, it's all positive stuff coming out of the Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, more positive stuff coming out of the winter tour. Our writer, John Foley, has been following along. Uh, we saw the different tweets coming out and, pe- and pieces coming out that John was sharing behind the scenes. Rob Thompson, Brandon Marsh down, um, you know, mingling in, in, in uh, Kensington, being able to help give out food. There's a whole tour, a, whole, a lot of different stops that they have along the way. And so John's doing a good job of just being 
a fly on the wall, chatting with them, had a chance to get some good quotes from them and, and put it together for a piece. So he's, definitely be sure to check out what John's dropping on Twitter, but then also what he's writing in his articles as he's following along on the winter tour. Yeah, John's down at Citizens Bank Park today. They're having some immediate mm-hmm. media availability um, down there today with some of the players. And, and it was really cool. John pointed out that Brandon Marsh flew in from Arizona yeah, just like to that. do this community service. Uh, and Brandon Marsh is a guy to be you know excited about. If he can take another step offensively, um, you know, that's that's a hell of a deal that the Phillies made mm-hmm. uh, in being able to obtain him and, and improve. Again, maybe the R&D has something to do with his improvement in the batting stance. Uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, Ani helps supplement Kevin Long uh, with some of his stuff. So uh, kudos to Brandon Marsh for coming in and doing some community service in the cold of Philadelphia winter. Oh, no, I would not no. want to leave the warmth of Arizona to come into Philadelphia right now, but uh, mm, no. kudos to uh, Brandon Marsh for doing so. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Well, you know who also had to leave the warmth to come to the cold Philly from Hawaii? It's our prospect we're going to follow today, Devin Saltabon. Before we bring on our guest, Papelbon, let's go down on farm. Oh, that perfectly. I like the spinning of that. It's so cute. So our prospect today that we're taking a look at is Devin Ezekiel Boyd Saltabon, born and raised in Hawaii. And That, that must not suck. <laughs> I know. I'm super, super <laughs> jealous. Uh, Saltabon was drafted in the 2023 draft, third round, 98 overall pick. And here's the numbers for the number 18 prospect outfielder, 18 years old, 5'10", 180 pounds, and has 42 at-bats, 10 hits in 10 games in the FCL in 2023. Has worked with some great names such as Kaha Wong, which is Colton's dad in Hawaii. Also for uh, Saltabon, did forego, of course, his collegiate eligibility to be able to get this professional contract. And a name that's been interesting, to say the least. Now, as a young outfielder, um, a center fielder specifically, many believe that he will end up being a corner outfielder and also will have a strong arm and is projected to have excellent hitting as he continues to progress. I know some of the grades that came out for him, his tools, his hit as a 50, power 55, run 55, field 50, arm 55. But as a top Hawaiian prospect, Saltabon's got potential in what you've been seeing from the various reports that have come out about him as someone that has a lot of growth there that can happen. Yeah, I mean, he's one of these kids at 5'10", 180, that does not scream uh, power, but some of his exit velocity uh, that he's shown, uh, scouts do believe, can translate to some power. Uh, One of the encouraging things I read about him was right after the draft, he entered the MLB Draft League, which is mostly college kids. Uh, And as a high school 17, 18-year-old, undersized to walk in there against, you know, kids that are three, four years older than you uh, and go compete shows me that this kid, you know, wants to be wants to be a player. Um, You know, he has a polished, aggressive swing path with a lot of bat speed uh, that they think can translate to above average power at the next level. Uh, Decent exit velocity uh, that is encouraging to some scouts. Uh, You know, he's turned his plus run times and should settle in as an above average runner in the future uh, with split options as you said whether or not he'll stay in center will be determined he has an above average arm uh, that will allow him to play those corners Um, and we'll see where it takes him but he's definitely a kid uh, that's probably going to be down in Clearwater this year with a chance to play as some of their prospects grow you know or climb the ladder I should say Mm -hmm. Um, you know he's still so young he's 19 years (laughs) old Um, So we'll see. But, uh, you know, I guess the Phillies hope he can become the next flying Hawaiian here. 
uh, in Philadelphia, you know, 19 years old. He was 18, 18 years and, like, and four months old when he signed for $600,000. I can't imagine what 18-year-old Jamie would have done with 600000 in the bank. I don't either. Well, I don't Uncle know what, Sam takes I don't know his what portion. current 600000 what I would do with Oh, I'd them. build a golf simulator in my backyard. I know. We've actually yeah. had this conversation before, <laughs> and you do know, and I still don't know what That's I would what do, I would but do. you fully like, know. Maybe we could buy a house. <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> I would, well, I would actually first, you know, the girls, you know, education fund. Oh, and then the golf then simulator. I How nice of you, Philly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Saltaban, uh, the other side of that is his competition level, as reports have indicated, wasn't very high in Hawaii. So, you know, with it not being the greatest, scouts don't really have much history on him coming in, but he's faced some quality velocity and secondary stuff, and, you know, his hit tool evaluations, as they say, could vary strongly and just see how he progresses. So I know in the chat you guys are making some interesting comments about Saltaban. Um, you know, definitely a young player with time. Let's just say that. Yeah, lots of time. <laughs> I mean, at 19 years old, he's got, got lots time. of time. He's got a good four or five years, most likely, unless he sets the world on fire, mm -hmm. uh, to figure this out. On the 2080 scout scale, his tools, his hitting comes in at a 50. His power is a 55 with a chance to grow because of his high exit velocity and, and quick bat speed. His fielding is a 50, and his arm is at a 55. So, you know, like most prospects, things to be encouraged about. We'll see if maybe he can get a little bit bigger obviously he's probably not going to get too much taller although i hit a growth spurt at 19 so never say never he was reported at 510 now he's reported at six foot so allegedly he grew yeah i mean if you can and get he up did to put six on some pounds he's now 180 something he's like one slim <laughs> so yeah you know he's he's got a lot of time to develop the body and develop uh, his game and we'll see where he, he comes in um but number 18 for us depending on where he is he's 18 on baseball america 20 on fan graphs i think baseball perspectives had us had him somewhere similar right in that like 19 to 21 right. range um right, so right. you know uh good luck devin we're pulling for you got a cool name kind of sounds like a baseball player to it's me triggered a lot of people to think of a hallmark movie um apparently now i'm in that hallmark movie too so well, you thank are you mrs for hallmark putting me in the you i wonder if pavel bought the hallmark guy you can ask him <laughs> I mean, maybe he comes. I'm not asking him that question. <laughs> Jonathan, welcome to the show. Do you watch Hallmark movies with your wife during the holidays? Questions Are I you wish a I romantic? Ask, Let's just not forget baseball. Ask. Let's just get into. But this is why if he's a this is why we want to have guests like this on because it's a chance to peel back some of the layers, <laughs> and you know maybe there's some misconceptions, maybe there's some things you just don't know, and it's always a great chance to learn a little bit well, more. Well, I think closers mentally are a different breed than a lot of baseball yeah, players. Yeah, probably he probably does enjoy a little. And, Mark and, and, once and in a while. something I want to ask him today is about the <laughs> Hall of Fame list and how hard it is. Tyler and I were talking about it for like a minute before this list. <laughs> One whole minute. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Tyler's busy working, he, in and out, quick conversations. <laughs> uh, but Papelbon is 11th all-time on the MLB saves list, uh, and a guy that's sixth all-time is Billy Wagner. It appears he's right on the cusp of getting in, but the guy ahead of him, who's fifth all-time, Francisco Rodriguez, mm -hmm. still is not in, and looks like it's going to be impossible for him to get in, uh, which is wild to think that you're top five all time at something and you're not good enough for the hall so closers in baseball and the hall of fame in particular is a is a is a weird subject because if you're top <laughs> five to me like that's kind of your case especially if you're doing it in less innings pitched um, one would think 
Yeah, I, 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 I have my thoughts on the Hall of Fame. I'm going to ask John, Jonathan his because I really think ex-players and managers, uh, I think there should be a Hall of Fame committee. Mm. I don't think it should strictly be a writer's vote. I think you cut it up like 33% writers, 33% former managers, 30, okay. 33% Hall of Fame players or some kind of council. Okay. I, I, I just think it's, it's weird to have writers control it all. By the way, K-Rod is at 7.2% right now. Yeah, he's not going to get in. He's not going to get in. I mean, he'll stay on the ballot because hmm. you need the 5% is this, to is stay Is this his on. second or third year? Um, he's relatively early in the yeah. in, in the thing. But So the only, the only players that are currently going to stay on the ballot that are below him are Mark Burley and David Wright. The, some of the players above him, Omar Vizquel, Jimmy Rollins, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu, and then you start to get into the guys that have some, What's, you know, significant Do you see Abreu's percentage of votes? 18.6 uh, as of... So he's not getting I it. mean, that was a while ago, so I don't know if that, that tracks still. Um, but that was the last percentage that, that I see. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't think Bobby... I think Bobby yeah, Abreu's like, in the it, hall of very good. It's the same thing. I mean, Francisco Rodriguez is still at 7.2. Yeah, like to, for that guy to be pretty much more or less impossible to get in the Hall of Fame, you know, it's crazy to me because the guys around him, he he pitched like 300 innings less than a lot of these guys and has no shot of getting in yet is fifth all time in saves. It's a it's just there's no like baseline standard for getting in the Hall. It's like, well, uh, you know. He only had a six-year window, and, well, this guy was a jerk, or this guy used PEDs, or whatever it may be. Um, I wish there was a more standard baseline and people's opinions uh, kind of got taken out of it. Mm -hmm. um, one place where, you know, there is a baseline, and that baseline is greatness, uh, that's Wheelhouse Cards. Uh, they have two great locations in Wayne and Westchester, and Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card, gift, and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community, because the love of sports unites us all. They carry all your favorite card brands, like Top Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as, as well as tons of great gear, uh, t-shirts, hats, hoodies, uh, from Brands like Mitchell and Ness, 47 brand, junk food, starter, and one of my personal favorites, the throwback Shy Vintage Sports. And if you're looking to have your sports card collection graded, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host a ton of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every single month. So stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days a week at 11 a.m. and use code PHLY to get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more or in store and be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at wheelhouse cards. Well, as we were talking about Hall of Fame, the official announcement uh, for this year is coming up January 23rd, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on MLB Network. So we'll have some of these questions answered, uh, but some of the more important questions we will not get answers to about just the, the process, the voting, who gets to vote. It's, it's a lot from Hallmark to Hall of Fame. That's how we that's how we got there down that rabbit hole. Very interesting. And we're still going with Hallmark in the chat a little bit, which is interesting to me. <laughs> Almost as interesting as some of the other off the rails that have happened. But I'll there just you have don't it. bring up Paul Walker. You know, I was thinking a lot about Paul Walker yesterday. <laughs> Why? Because of you. Because <laughs> of your questions. And I'm I'm a little bit, you know, I first of all, I. I feel like you can't speak poorly about people that passed away. It's I'm like a rule. I'm not speaking poorly about him. I'm but speaking I, poorly about how everybody reacts to Paul Walker like he was JFK. 
Okay. I don't think it's, it's that bad. He's not year. in that many songs and stuff like that. Every, I don't see, like, uh, you know, the uh, anniversary of a lot of other greats that died. You know, That's like, not, you know, not, Paul Walker. Every year we have to relive the anniversary of Paul Walker passing. Didn't we just do this? Yes. Can we, yes. We just, we just did this. It's just—it's not me. It's you. He, it's not. not me, it's it's you. not anybody. It's just Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, what the fuck? I Paul feel like Walker. you're. I feel like you're by yourself on this. I don't know. No, I'm not. I think the chat's 100% behind me. Who do you support? Mm-hmm. Me or Jamie? He was family. He he was cool. He was awesome, and it was so surprising. I feel like tragic deaths deserve to have it takes you time to process it and that's what we're doing we're processing it year after year because we're still surprised right. i can't so believe here's the it's crux been of it. i don't call that tragic he caused it no no that's not fair mm. to say was he being risky and put his life on the line yes but technically okay. any i mean being in the car driving at any point you can it's dangerous driving the car at any <laughs> no, point. driving to work <laughs> And street racing <laughs> are not the same thing. I mean, if you live in Philly, it kind of can be. <laughs> Absolute, That's why flying in a plane is hammered. safer than driving a car. Poor Paul. Guy it's just been can't catch a break. Years, it's been 11 years <laughs> since he passed. Yeah, why are we still, still talking like, about it? It still feels like it was yesterday. No, it it's doesn't. tragic. Tupac, we talk about. Biggie, tragic we talk is about. disease and things out of your control. When you're willingly doing something that you know is a life risk, I don't call that doing tragic. it for fun. That's like saying, oh, you went. When, <laughs> that's like saying, oh, you went on, you went on vacation on a boat and your boat sunk. It's your fault. Like technically, we all are willingly doing whatever we're doing, but it's not to to die. Like, oh man. I, I will not you're call getting, Paul Walker's death tragic. You will never change me on this. Uh, and Jonathan just said uh, he'll be joining us momentarily. Okay. Um, so there you have it. Wow. Okay, in the chat. You know what? You guys typically do favor Jamie is what I notice. <laughs> it's, but it's a lot of men in here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just chop it no, to that. No, I think it's where's, just... Where's my ladies at? No, I don't think it's that. I think it's just I'm right. No. It's I'm not just tragic. being in general. I feel like you guys don't probably go street think very racing. similarly. Pretty, like from Pitbull to Paul Walker, you know, you guys are very much on the same page with stuff. <laughs> Pitbull sucks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was not. I did not come here for this slander. And I and I quoted another movie today. You know, me, you, John, and Tyler have a text group chat, and I quoted that another I movie. Get, I, I gave you a that. softball have today. Y'all own, have your own text threat. Take me out. I gave you a movie quote softball, and Renee, you, you yeah, broke my you heart. Had to, you had to say it. It should not be a good joke if you have to like explain it. it. No, it, was, it wasn't a joke. It was a movie quote. Uh, and if I said to the chat right now, his name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. They're going to get it. <laughs> and then you had this. And then I said, chat. have you even seen the movie, Renee? Tell me you've seen it. And you were like, well, I think I've seen bits and pieces. And Tyler and I, I agree with you. I think it's a movie you only have to yeah, see. Yeah, you only need to watch it. I mean, it's a great movie, but you only need to watch it once. But yeah. like, so my, my, my thing, Renee, that, that oh, no. with the fact that you didn't get the reference is totally fine. What boggles my mind is that you said, I've watched some of it. And like the whole purpose of the movie is the end of the movie. Yeah. But you know, sometimes when you happen to just catch a movie on TV yeah, in the middle sure, of it, like sure. that's, that's one of those movies. Like I didn't intentionally be like, ooh, I'm going to watch this movie today and start it from the beginning. I just happened to be scrolling through the channels and stumbled onto it. 
<laughs> his name is Robert Poles. And I was doing it, and I was saying his name is Tyler Zulu. And once again, the chat got it because once again, they well, it's, are... a, it's kind of a great flick. Like you threw around the term "great" yesterday with some crap movie. Like Fight Club, you can make the cases. Like, I threw great, out, I was throwing iconic. out like Paul Walker movies and Keanu Reeves, Reeves movies. <laughs> what was it? Take Takers or something? <laughs> takers is a great movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd use great. The cast alone. They were in their prime at that time uh-huh. of Idris Elba and Michael Ely. I and, love Idris Elba. And Paul Walker. Luther. And such a great cast. Guys. A great cast does not equal a great movie. It doesn't, but the movie was actually good, too. I'll take your good. They were okay, bank good, robbers. good. Great. All right, we're talking adjectives now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, well, you know. I thought it was, I was, I liked that movie. I would choose to watch that movie. Because that's to me the barometer. I'm not one that likes to rewatch things I've I already seen. I will watch The Takers if you the watch Fight Club. Takers? Fi- takers? What's it called? <laughs> it's just Takers. Takers. I will watch Takers if you watch Fight Club in its entirety, start to finish. I mean. Are okay. you willing to make that trade? I, I, it's, a, it's an iconic movie. You know, I'm just going to keep going. Iconic? Yes, Fight Club is absolutely iconic. Like top 10 iconic? No, it was just something like that... Like one of those you have to see from start to finish, in your opinion? <sighs> Kinda. I, it's not one that I'm ever going to like throw on randomly, but like it was culturally huge. Help, guys. Tyler, am I wrong? It's a pretty massive movie. <laughs> culturally huge? Yeah. I don't know about all that. Oh. I don't know about all that. Oh. That's a stretch. Okay. Oh, Hitch is a great movie. Like, culturally huge to me is where it's got, like, some historical value. It's, it, it's about the culture. It blew people's minds. That's not, like... Sixth Sense, you what? would agree, was, like, a cultural movie because of the ending, right? That was a great... Not cultural, though. Yes, That's a was. different term. Absolutely. I see Dead I People is like, a, one of the most famous movie quotes of no, all time. No, I wouldn't call it, like, a culturally iconic movie. I would just call it a generationally top movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've got our guest here. Move along sure. here, Jamie. I'll let you do the intro because... Uh, yes. Very we won't get a great walk-up song, but I feel like give us your best... If you're, this is like your, and now. Yeah. Uh, he's 11th <laughs> all-time in saves in Major League Baseball history. He is your Phillies all-time saves leader. Uh, he is Jonathan Papelbon. John, do people call you John, or is it strictly Jonathan? What do your friends call you? Uh, you don't want to know what my friends call me. <laughs> John. John, uh, we, we appreciate you taking time out to join the show. Uh, I'm curious. During your career, great career, you got to be a part of some iconic uh, Red Sox teams uh, known for, you know, just iconic series with the Yankees and coming from behind. One of the things we were talking about today is the Phillies seem to have kind of a great clubhouse chemistry and environment. How important is that clubhouse environment and chemistry to translating to success on the field? Like, how, how big is it to your you know, to your average fan that may not be aware of how important that stuff is. Well, so uh, as far as winning it all and winning a World Series, in my opinion, it is at the top of the list, no question about it. Um, I I, I really can't, and I'm trying to jog my memory now. I'm really trying to, like, think of a team that just – had nothing but studs and never got along maybe a yankee team or two but you have to have a chemistry in that clubhouse that feeds off of one another all the egos have to come together all the coaches have to be able to 
manage those egos. Um, and when that happens, and when you have a manager that's able to do that and you have a team that's able to come together, um, you get an Arizona Diamondbacks. You get 0407 Red Sox. You get, you know, 2008 Phillies. You get those teams. And you can see as, well, maybe not as an average fan, but as a player, you can definitely, as you're playing against those teams and they roll into the stadium and you see they walk together, they talk together, everything is just like, and you notice it and you feel it. And so to me, it's number one, talent comes second. Can, can you see that in a team when you watch baseball games? Like, is there stuff you can see in game that you just know, like, shit, that group is tight. They have what it takes. Well, like, what is it uh, that you see when you see it? So, for me, there's little things that go on and little nuances in the game that you see. The way a manager interacts with a player. The way – and usually when something bad happens is, is a big tale and uh, how that team responds or how they – when adversity happens, what, what do they do? How do they come together? What does – does the guy that's hitting before Chase Utley, like a Jimmy Rollins, does he sacrifice that at bat and not swing at a bad pitch and take his walk? Little tiny things like that, um, to me, will never leave the game of baseball, and you have to have that. And at the end of the day, culture eats analytics for breakfast, my friend. <laughs> I like that. I like that, John. Now, as you're talking about culture and chemistry and vibes in that sense, you know, you've been fortunate, obviously, playing with the Nationals, the Phillies, the Red Sox. You've played with various teams as a player. You've been in different ballparks. But what is Philly like when it, in terms of being part of the Phillies, being a part of this environment as a player, that, that in terms of when you look back, what it means to you? Because I think a lot of people lose that, uh, being in, in certain cities and certain franchises it's different it's a different environment but as a player with the Phillies how would you summarize being a part of this franchise in this club okay so to me um those environments mean everything number one reason why I signed in Philly um I was a big believer that I could not thrive in any other type of market I, I just felt like I knew myself and I wanted to go somewhere where expectations were high from the fan base and from the staff and from ownership. And uh, maybe it's good I didn't have Twitter back then and I just now started doing Twitter. But, um, you know, I had made a comment that, you know, I didn't come to Philadelphia to lose. And I think some of the fans took that in a little bit of a wrong way until they kind of realized, oh, shit, man, this guy, he came here for the same reasons that we wanted him to come here, is to come kick some ass. Now, Unfortunately, we had Ruben Amaro at the helm, and he had the keys to a Ferrari, I feel like, and it kind of wrecked that. Um, did we have injuries? Yeah, but um, he was given a pretty pretty good payroll to work with, and somehow we couldn't win. Um, so, you know, I know injuries ha have to do with that, especially throughout the course of the season, but I did not expect to come back. I, I really thought I was going to win two more world championships. Mm. Yeah. So is there part of you, obviously you don't want to like cut short your time at Fenway Park because you are a part of uh, some special baseball history up there. But is there a part of you that wishes you were in Philly uh, to experience that joy in an environment like this? Oh, there's no question about it. Um, to me, I think the fans in Philly, just like in Boston, they live and die their baseball and they live and die their sports. Um, 
Shit, when I was in Boston, the Patriots were winning, the Celtics were winning, the Bruins were winning, the Red Sox were winning. So, you know, we kind of ran that city for a little while. But I came to Philadelphia expecting to do the same thing. You know, Flyers were good. <laughs> Sixers were good. The Eagles won a chance. You know, so it to me, I want to go to a fan base and play in a fan base that expects just as much as I do. But also, too, on the other part of that, like, as a player, if you don't have that, then you will not succeed in their cities. And so as a GM, as a ownership, I'm looking for guys that I know that are going to succeed in my environment. Yeah, and yeah. one of those guys, uh, Jonathan, I, I want to ask you about because um, you know you both have talked about it since the incident. The Bryce Harper you see now is he a totally different player uh, than your guys' incident in the dugout all those years ago? Have you seen kind of that maturation? And, and he he seems to be absolutely fucking thriving in Philadelphia. Have you seen the evolution of Bryce Harper from when you were teammates to now? No question about it. No question about it. It's the same. You know, it's the same thing that really happened to me. Like, I didn't really evolve into a leader until I had to kind of have my ass kicked. Uh, and Veritech would kick my ass just about every day. But, you know, at the end of the day, I could not be more proud of this dude. Um, you know, to me, as a, as a, as a GM, if I have a, the kind of player that he is now, the kind of leader that he is, like, there's no reason why Philadelphia should not win a World Series, in my opinion. Um, now, I'm not inside that clubhouse. I don't know what their culture is and how they, you know, but to me, it seemed everything that I see that they had a great, you know, shit happens, man. And I'll be honest with you, I took the Phillies last year um, about halfway through the season at plus 1500 to win the World Series. So I would have won about 150 grand if the Phillies would have won. So I really, <laughs> truly wanted them to win, believe me. But at the end of the day, like, they have what it takes. And um, I couldn't be pulling for him more than anybody, any other player in the league right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, and John, as you talk about the incident with Bryce and even your own incidents that helped shape you, you know, outside of winning a World Series, being an all-star, all the different accolades, there's a maturation process mentally that has to happen as a player. And as you talk about the evolution as your career is progressing, you, talk, you touched on it a little bit, but what really helped you become that dog? You know, that, having that mindset of hating losing more than you love winning and wanting to go into everything, doing anything you can to possibly win, what really helped that transition for you to be that type of a winning mindset that you would do whatever it takes to help your team win? Um, so for me, there was no transition. That's a really good question, actually. I like that question. Um, there was no, I think my transition was over years and years of childhood, over the environment I was brought up in. My mom's a three-sport athlete. My brothers all made it to AA. There was, uh, if you did not finish first, at dinner, there were no seconds. You know, it was just um, the competitive environment that I was brought up in was just, I think, at a level 10. And so for me, that dog and, you know, I, I joke about this, but me and my brothers have kicked each other's ass way more than what me and Bryce got into. You know? <laughs> well, so, I don't doubt it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> That uh, growing up that way, I think, had a big effect on me and constantly competing with my brothers, uh, you know, and, and you see that how you look at the Mannings and you look at a lot of other 
families that play sports like this and have all boys. I think that's how it was for me. I have to ask, though. I'm sorry, Jamie. No, go because, ahead. listen, John, you and I are more like, I think, than out of anybody here because I definitely am that same personality. I'm sure you guys can agree. So I know we've been talking a lot about movies. We're going to transition out of baseball a little bit, and this is probably oh. going to be the toughest question for you. Hope you're ready. There's, <laughs> there's been a lot of talk in the chat. We were talking about Hallmark movies and Paul Walker and all types of movies. Uh, what kind of movie guy are you? And uh, I'm gonna actually take it a step further. If you had to have a movie about you, who's who's playing? Kenny Jonathan fucking Papa Powers. <laughs> who's playing? No question, Kenny Powers. Yes. You that. <laughs> yes. Um, in fact, I used to get a uh, you know a few Kenny Power jokes when that was a big uh, Eastbound and Down was big. Um, I love that. So my teammates used to kind of call me that too. But um, yeah, you know, for me. Um, Growing up, you know, you see my, this is actually the award the Phillies gave me when I broke their all-time saves leader. It was a set, off the set of Terminator. Oh, so, that's awesome. I'm a big Terminator guy, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger guy. Um, in fact, I actually worked out with him and I put on Twitter that I was lifted more than him, but you know, he's 40 years older than me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, um, for me, I'm a big, you know, Terminator guy, but um, I, I I actually watch more documentaries and you know I'm a you know I'm a Sasquatch believer an alien believer so Oh, yeah. aliens 100% exist. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very so naive I'm, of us to believe yeah, otherwise. I'm a conspiracy theorist but I love a good documentary. Okay. Love that. Uh, so, John, a uh, couple guys on the Hall of Fame ballot list this year. It looks like Billy Wagner <laughs> is right at that cusp of getting in. Uh, and this was the discussion we were having earlier today. Francisco Rodriguez is fifth all time in saves, and it appears impossible for him to get into the Hall. He's only at 7% of the vote. Uh, kind of a two part question Is the Hall of Fame important to Jonathan Papelbon, and why is it so hard for closers to get into the Hall? Yeah, you know, I've been asked this question a lot, and, and I think that um, here's the basic gist that I get, okay? I played uh, 13 and a half years or so, um, 11th or 12 now, you know, over 400, almost 400, say. So to me, I think that longevity is a big key. You know, if I'd have played another three years, two or three more years, I think I'd have been in. Wags has done that, um, but you know, even Francisco Rodriguez has. You know, I just think it's just one of those things, man. And yes, it is important to me. I would love to, you know, I missed it too as well. But just being on the ballot was an honor, and you know, going into the Hall of Fame this year with the Red Sox is is a huge honor of mine as well. That I, I, I cherish more now than I think I would at any point in my life. Um, but yeah, it's just, man, shit. It's just, it's just hard for closers and relievers. It's just always been that way. So it's a, it's a hard job in, in total. And one of the questions I was thinking about uh, when I was thinking about this interview, why do you think it is that there's such a high variance with closing? Is it because it's a between the ears position? Mm. Uh, like Brad Lidge is a great example. He'd have 48 for 48, be perfect, and then have a down year. And then he'd come back and be, you know, 45 of 49 save opportunities the next year. And there was kind of an up and down to it. Why do you think that is uh, with closers? Closing 
when you're a closer, whether you're LeBron James trying to close out a basketball game or Tom Brady trying to close out a football game, when you're a closer of any sport, um, there's no room for error and the mental capacity that you have to carry with you to be consistent year in and year out is just a different level than it is with any other position. So, you know, talking between the ears, it is um, it is a consistency thing that you have to be able to go out there and convert each day. You're not going out there as a starter saying, oh, I got eight innings today, and, I, and man, if I feel good, those eight innings are going to be you're not going to feel good every single day. You're not going to be a starter to prepare to make sure you feel good every day. So there's also also that obstacle as well. So there's, man, there's a multitude of things that makes it a whole different animal. So can you, John, take us back and talk us through, you're taking the mound. Regardless, let's say game's on the line. Are there thoughts running through your mind? Is there a routine? What is it specifically that behind the scenes we don't know? Outside of what we see from cameras and TV and any interviews, uh, what, what is that moment like for you in taking the mound? Just take us through what it's like as a closer in general. Yeah, so obviously for me, I was always more successful when the game was on the line than it, when it wasn't. It was just my, my nature. So for me, that mindset was huge, and, and, and I always prepared a certain way to make sure that I would get in that mindset, and that had to do with a lot of meditation and, and, and analyzing the people that I were going to go pitch against, along with what mindset do I have to have to go out there, and um, hopefully try to, you know, prepare my body as best as I could to, you know, feel great to go out there. Um, you know, so for me, I had a set checklist every single day, um, that I did that would prepare me for literally one inning every single day. Did you have a, did you have like a go-to meal or something? Was it, did it get as minute as that or no? No, um, no go-to meal. Um, I had quirky things like, you know, uh, trainers didn't really want to, you know, stretch. I like to stretch naked, you know, and because I feel like I got a better stretch. And I was quirky about, you know, hot tubs. I would put Epsom salt with some like Voltaire, you know, guys. I don't know. Every, you know, Maddox had some pretty crazy ones too. So, you know, like a sign on say. the door that John's uh, John's stretching naked. Do not enter. Or was it like an open door policy that if I'm stretching naked, nah, you can? I kind of just knew after a while. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know, I thought I was odd because I was all about for soccer, one cleat before the other, one. But you're taking it to a whole nother level. But you mentioned you weren't the worst. What was? What is the worst that you've seen in terms of a pregame routine? I'm just curious. Oh, and this man. is you can. It's, There's go some for bad it. things in, in, in baseball, man. You know, like guys shitting in other people's shoes. I mean, there's some bad. <laughs> You know, lighting people's shoes on fire. I mean, there's some uh, there's some pretty good ones out there, yeah. Wow. Uh, so, John, uh, another question I have is, <laughs> in this new age of bullpen arm usage, it, it, it almost appears a lot of teams are getting away from a quote-unquote everyday closer and more just having these high-leverage guys, <laughs> you know, those two or three high-leverage guys.
guys. Uh, you know, Jose Alvarado, Jeff Hoffman were kind of that for the Phillies a little bit this year, as well as is Kimbrel. Um, do you agree with this new approach to bullpen arms uh, and kind of rotating the guys? Or are you a team's got to have a closer, got to know your role type of type of guy? Yeah, I, I'm definitely the second of that. You know, I think it's a lot easier for guys to prepare when they go out, knowing what role they're going to be in. Now, yeah, you can you can tell, hey, today we're going to switch your role, but going back and forth from roles is 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 not easy. I don't care what job you're in. It's like, okay, you're a shift manager now. Now you're the GM. Now you can't you can't do that, man. In my opinion, because especially out of 162 day, games, you want to create consistency, and to create consistency. You need to be in the same position every day. Yeah. I know Tyler actually has a question, our producer, that he wants to ask you, so I'll toss it over to him. Yeah, so you were talking about, you know, the, the guys that just want the ball, and I'm curious if that plays into your, uh, to your answer here. With so many guys that are touching 100, throwing 102, you got all these hard-throwing, you know, back end of the bullpen relievers and type, type guys. Guys like Paul Seawald, who are throwing like 92, 93, how do those guys – still do it at such a high level. Seawald was great in the World Series. How did those guys still do it in today's game? Okay, he does it with a big set of nuts, number one. He does <laughs> it, too, with great conviction. If you're a pitcher and you pitch with conviction, you've already beat your, your head of the, set, your, the game. It doesn't matter what pitch I'm throwing, I'm convicted in it, and I throw it. He pitches exactly that way. And third, he has amazing, amazing deception and believe it or not, uh, you know, all of this spin rate and all this, he has great spin rate, even though he may not throw hard. So it doesn't matter. His spin rate's still great, and he's not throwing hard. So he's still got a lot of deception. So that's what, exactly what makes him successful. Uh, Jonathan, I'm curious. Uh, who was your favorite teammate when you were here in Philadelphia, and why was it Chooch? Chooch was just, man, he was just my guy. He was just my uh, pain of mania redneck, man. You know, I'm from Mississippi, so uh, we both like the same things. You know, uh, you know he's, he, he likes, you know, chickens. I got chickens, you know, bull riding and stuff like that, you know. Um, and we just, man, we just kind of hit it off. And, you know, I'm... I'm so your favorite teammate? I, I kind of was just joking because we all love Chooch. But, like, was he one of your... Yeah. He was your dude? He was my guy. Wow. Yeah. He was He's, my guy. Yeah. No, him, or, him or probably Kyle Kendrick. But, um, you know, Chooch to me, and, and I always, whether it was Veritech or Chooch, I always tried to really know my catchers inside and out, whether we had a lot in common or not. I, I just, I felt like that relationship was that important. It was the most important relationship to me on the team. So I always try to do whatever I could with my catchers. That's awesome. I like that. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, three guys that you got a little bit of a chance to play with, uh, I think one, at least one or two of them was still here. Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, and Jimmy Rollins are on the ballot. Utley looks like uh, he's going to hit the threshold eventually here. Uh, Jimmy looks like he's got his work cut out for him with the percentage of voters. Uh, again, two-part question. Do you think the three of them belong in? And two, do you agree with writers having so much say in the voting process? Because I don't. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and if I'm going, if I'm getting elected into a club, um, a, in a very prestigious club, I truly only want to be voted on by those people in that club. Um, so my opinion is the only people that should have a Hall of Fame vote 
are the writers or the players that are in the Hall of Fame. Um, which is, I don't think that will ever go that way, but we'll see. Um, I agree with you. I think there should be a Hall of Fame committee of ex-managers and players that, that vote on their yeah. peers rather than writers with sometimes agendas. Yeah, and on that second part of that question, uh, Rhino, Jimmy, and uh, um, the way I look at going into the Hall of Fame is very simple. If you are a player that can dominate an era of baseball at your position – and win a world championship, you should be in. Um, so needless to say, all three of those guys dominated at their position for an era of baseball and won a World Series. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling forward, man. I put you on the Hall of Fame committee. You'll, uh, you'll give those three their votes, <laughs> huh? Yeah, no question. All right. Love All right. It. Well, we've been doing a lot of looking back. I kind of want to look ahead a little bit um, specifically for you. Now, the league has been having a lot of hot stove changes, signings, movement that's been happening around Major League Baseball right now. John, if you right now are going into Major League Baseball, this is take this question out of you, like, which team would you want to play with today? And don't Ooh. feel like you have to be biased because it's a PHOI Phillies podcast. Which team would you want to join today? And which player would you want to play with that maybe attracts you to want to be on that team? That's an easy question. The Phillies. I'd want to. I'd, I'd want to go do part two with the Phillies and actually win this time and play with Bryce again as who he is now. And uh, and even even Rob, the manager, man, I, I love his style. I do. I like his style. I think the, the players gravitate towards him. Uh, that that would be a part of my decision as well. And um, yeah. No question. That's, that would be my choice. It I seems like, it. like they, uh, you know, Kyle Schwarber is kind of the Veritech down here, the leader of the clubhouse, mm -hmm. and it seems like uh, they have the right group of guys. And, um, you know, we'll see if they put it together. Um, your thoughts on the pitch clock uh, as we're winding down here with you, Jonathan. And again, we really appreciate it. The pitch clock, do you like it? Do you think it's good for the game? No, I hate it. And uh, me and Joe West used to get into it, who's a um, former umpire, about – pitching and, and pace a game and uh, I had many many meetings because of pace a game but my thing was the game's on the line this game is going to go how I dictate it it's going to go either short or long or however I want this game to go I'm in control now <laughs> I had this baseball and the pitchers can't do that anymore uh, you can't step off but twice um, you know when I started doing uh, Nesson being an analyst for Nesson uh, last year I really looked into this and um, I realized that this is, it definitely is an advantage for the hitters, but the pitchers will figure out their way with it. And um, to me, if you're going to watch a Tyson and Holyfield fight, do you want to watch it for one round or do you want to watch it for 12 rounds? All right. That's how I look at it. Well, John, it's definitely been a pleasure as we've had a chance to get to know a lot more about you, some great stories, and even just to hear how far you've come from that competitive household growing up to World Series and all the accomplishments of just sitting here with us today. And looking back now, uh, you know, which moment do you feel like, aside from winning the World Series, of course, I'm going to take that out as an answer, uh, which moment do you feel like really helped shape you as not only a baseball player, but as a person today that you look back on and are most appreciative of. I'm sure there's many, but if there's one that jumps out at you, I'd love to hear it. Well, I think uh, one of the most appreciable 
things that I can appreciate um, was my relationship with Tim Wakefield and Jason Veritek and um, David Ortiz and some of those guys that when I came into that clubhouse, it was it was their not there it was it was it was there they were there to help me and compete against me but yet help me become a man um and so if i didn't have that and i look back on that a lot and you know rest in peace tim and and, and you know if i didn't have those two or three guys I feel like my evolution would have been different and it wouldn't have been as successful as it was. Like I said, you know, Veritech kicked my ass many times, would sit me down many times. And, you know, I was young and cocky and, and very successful too. And, and so it, it, it shapes you and you learn. And so for me, that's, that, that's the one biggest memory I have of shaping my career. Wow. Uh, last one for me, and then we'll let you go, John. Who do you think, uh, because I think about this all the time, Manny Ramirez, without a doubt, one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen, who, who do you think is just the most, regardless of position or anything else, who do you think your most talented teammate you ever had was? I think the most talented teammate I ever had was, was Dustin Pedroia. Um, I mean, you're looking at a five foot six guy that hit 20 home runs a year. Um, to me, he had the most talent and got the most talent out of that body than any other player I've ever seen. That's okay. great. Well, John, it was, a, it was a lot of fun having you on. Uh, you're doing some work with Nesson. Uh, always a great baseball mind to pick the brain of. And uh, we appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the hunting and the rest of the offseason. And uh, maybe we'll have to get you on for this next Phillies World Series run uh, once yeah. we get into the, uh, de the depths of the season. Yes. Well, the Phillies get the uh, World Series run. I'll holler back at y'all. Yeah, Sounds I was gonna say, great. if you find yourself in Philly, let us know when we can uh, okay. we can link first, up. <laughs> first, first beers on me, John. All right. Sounds good, guys. Take all right, care. have a good have one, a John. Good. There he is, Jonathan Papelbon. I really enjoyed the conversation, and um, you know, to the people on social media being like, "Why are you having this guy on? He's a JO. He's a." It's like I, I had a feeling he was probably a little bit better of a dude than the public oh, yeah. perception oh, yeah. um you know allowed to him and i think that was a fun baseball discussion uh some great stories there <laughs> and uh, I, I i thoroughly enjoyed uh, the conversation there the best the best part jamie is so many people struggle to separate who these athletes are as competitors versus as people yeah and John's a great example of that. Obviously, Closer, you've got are. so Woo. many stories <laughs> of just ridiculousness, and I'm glad he shared some of that because now I am curious who was the one that's pooping in shoes and all that. You know, oh, it's got it's got yeah. me curious about a lot of other things. But when you have him outside of baseball and he's just a regular guy like us with way more talent and way more <laughs> accolades and trophies, uh, it does. It, it's nice to just see and hear all the the different things that led to who he is and yeah. his experiences. So I love the I love the fact that the chat was like, ah, oh, this was a very enjoyable. Uh, see, so my two takeaways you. outside of pooping <laughs> and shoes. Uh, one, he um, he ran that bus right over Ruben Amaro Jr. Right uh, away, right away, no hesitation. Uh, Ferrari driving with tone. his eyes closed, uh, and then two. Uh, him and Bryce Harper moved past it. So like, you know, like maybe let we as baseball fans can let that one go too. Um, yeah. So, you know, I like that Jonathan, you know, said he would play for the Phillies. This does seem, mm -hmm. and I think the locker room and clubhouse kind of lends to it. It does seem like the kind of guy or the type of team 
a baseball player yes. wants to be a part of. Yes, exactly. As a competitor, you f- that feeds off of the fans and feeds off of just a great camaraderie. The Phillies are a team that you want to be a part of for that exact reason. So his answers were very genuine, authentic, yeah. raw answers, and you got a lot out of just the fact that, as you mentioned, the maturity level, the the growth, the closure for Bryce Harper, and just in general for all of his experience, even with Ruben. I mean, yes, he threw him under the bus, but it still <laughs> was in a way that was kind of like, no, at that time, this is where things were. But, you know, now things are different. So yeah, and Will in the chat says, chat. I thought it was cool he would pick playing here. I and, did too. I wasn't and I don't expecting think, that. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to play to his audience. No. I think, oh, he, no. I think he's going to give you <laughs> no, a genuine no. answer. So that was really cool. Uh, we'll definitely have to have him on again in the baseball season. Yeah. But, Renee, I know we got two little things to get to, and then we're getting out of here. Uh, Tyler. Oh, I forgot about that one. Hi. Hi. You are responsible for today's Phillies positivity. Manifest for us. 24. Four reasons this year's Phillies are going to be better than last year's See, Phillies. What do you got? This is not. Um, this is number. Hold on, I got to get my list up here. Thirteen. Um, this will be number twelve. Ah, so close. See, this is not. Um, I, I don't know if this makes the 2024 Phillies better. I think that this makes the organization better. Okay. In what I'm about to say now, oh, this boy. is going to sound crazy. Um, to say, I like crazy. Um, Go for it. A kid, say it with your not, chest. Not pitching and being <laughs> okay, hurt, Kevin. Is a is a, you know. But let me let me say this. Andrew Painter getting Tommy John finally, mm-hmm. I think, is significant because of the fact that I think we all believe that he should have gotten Tommy John. You're saying the sooner the better, ago. rather than counting on him two years so from now. What I will say okay. is, I think that the Phillies organization is a year closer to knowing what exactly Andrew Painter is. And that doesn't mean that he's going to pitch. We know he's not pitching this year. Mm-hmm. But with him having the Tommy John and starting the recovery process when he does, 2025 gives you a better understanding of what this rotation is going to look like for a very long time. So I think that Andrew Painter beginning his rehab process off the Tommy John surgery. I, I see where you're going. I like okay, this. okay. Something to be looking forward to for the 2024 season. So again, it doesn't make the, especially not the Major League Club, it doesn't make the Major right. League Club any better this year. But we are one step closer to figuring out mm-hmm. what Andrew Painter is for this long-term right. solution. I like season. it, Tyler. Okay, I get that because 2024, we will see the rehab process for Andrew. We'll get to start to see him right. working back. So it's positivity for 2024 in terms of and beyond optimism correct of the future for the Phillies yes. versus just this year I like that okay because thinking outside the box last year was frustrating because yes you, uh, you know they want you always want to go the natural remedy way first before you yeah. get the surgery but it was always like setback 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 yeah. not gonna throw not gonna mm-hmm. throw not gonna throw and it got to a point where you're like just just please go get the surgery yeah. right just get it done so this yeah, is yeah. like so it's done it's rehab done, right let's look forward exactly all right I like where you went with that. Last thing to get to, Renee. Your All favorite, right, your favorite moment scoreboard. of the day. We don't need it. No, no, just keep your number so that way tomorrow's not difficult. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to take something off your plate for tomorrow. Uh, what was it at? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I've been writing it down. Yeah. All right, well, the score currently is uh, seven for Jamie. Seven for seven. No big deal. Seven. Kind of a big deal. A lot of people are talking about it. Oh, wow. Let's see I love if we what go you over keep here. putting out there. <laughs> That a lot of people are talking about things. Nobody's talking about <laughs> nobody, it except, except that's me. That's the joke. Nobody. That's the joke, You know, Renee. I've been hearing a lot. You know, a lot of people far and wide. I, 
talking I about a Damien. I got stopped on the street and people were like, hey, I heard Your Jamie seven, seven for seven. seven. Can you believe shit. it? Breaking news. Yeah. Jamie Edward Lynch. James. Yes, James. Edward mm-hmm. Lynch is seven for seven. Let's and guess can... that stand. The game that you proposed, <laughs> I just want to keep putting that out there. You are seven for seven at. It mm-hmm. just is kind of I like. I didn't know I was going to be good at it, but the, my, this might be the one thing I'm good at in life. <laughs> no, it's going to be see. good at it. Maybe I can go 42 for 42. All right, you guys ready? Come on, Philly. All right, so trending worldwide. I'm going to say this worldwide. before we start. Oh, no. Don't do Uh-oh, it. Tough. This no is tough. by far the hardest one we've done okay. so far. I, I, uh, ooh. Oh. I'm just going to I'm just going to copy you. What? You got it already? Oh, I I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. The thing I'm uh, focused on is the the locked front right leg That's and, what I'm looking and the at. level bat path through the zone. Okay, it okay, me of okay. Somebody. Oh damn, this is tough. Yeah, CMC said you're getting to the point where they're talking more about your streak than the Undertaker streak. <laughs> What's the Undertaker <laughs> oh, streak? I'm not a wrestling uh, guy. WrestleMania streak. He's just been in. Well, he he won like. Okay. I don't know exactly the number, but it was twenty something in a row or something along those lines. Hmm. <sighs> okay. This is tough. And much, okay, this much, is really much like the Undertaker streak, this is clearly predetermined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this Correct. Is, this, is dif- this is difficult. I, I think. Man. This is by far the hardest one. Okay, so again, for everybody, it's going back to 2006. I wish you could give us a clue, though. Like, is this someone in the last 10 years? Is this someone in the last... In it's, someone from two in, th- it's someone in the last 17 years. <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah, I do see some hype, Mickey. Like, that's what's kind of... It's giving hype, but I can never tell God. if it's left or right, to be honest, because t- to me, it looks a little bit like... I mean, eclipse. I'll leave in the playing field. This I, is, I believe it's a lefty. All right, I will tell you, because you're both questioning. It's, it's a, a lefty? It's a left-handed hit. It's a lefty, yeah. Wow, it looks so backwards to me. No, the right hand's like on I the can, bottom of the bat. No, but I feel like I can see it both sides. I don't know. It's giving, is the dress green or blue? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I just, when I kind of no, look at it. No, because if it was right-handed, his left leg would be bow-legged. I guess. It's definitely okay. lefty. You know, okay. you know what I mean? I think okay. that's the differentiator there is the, the huh. front leg. Word on the street is Troy Aikman's talking about you, too. Yeah, I was a part of the uh, yeah. Monday Night Football broadcast. Troy Aikman was blown away that yeah, I was 7 for 7. Yeah, could not believe it. Shit. Um, oh, this is really tough. Ah, I don't know. All right, guys, I need an answer. Yeah. I, um, I'm just not having one come clearly to me. This is tough. Hmm. You were not lying, Tyler. Oh, this is by far the hardest one. I don't even one. know who to say. This is a really now difficult that I've, one. God, this is like one of those weird eye optics things. Now that I tried to focus on it being a right-handed hitter, all I can see is a right-handed stance see? with a bow-legged left leg. See? I it told looks, you. It's like a total mindfuck for me. I told you. It, I was no, it's looking at it, and I fully... But now I'm all screwed up because of the leg, and it looks like he's got a broken leg. Um... Oh, man. It's not Tommy. I don't even know who to guess. It's not Stairs. Guy's too thin to be either yeah. of those He's two very players. thin. Tall. All right. Uh, yeah. Ooh, in the chat, I'm gonna, a lot I'm going to text you, Tyler, but I am okay. not pos- I'm not feeling good about this. Let me just say that. Today could be my first time. Uh, oh, thank goodness. Absolutely hammered, by the way. Raul was our answer yesterday. Raul. 
Hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think. I'm just going through all the lefties in my head before I submit this. I, I haven't hit send yet, Tyler. John Mayberry. <laughs> uh, all right. I hit send. Okay. Jamie's locked in. I'm coming in, in with my answer. I, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> all right. Renee's locked in. Guys. Um, Wait. Have you heard a correct answer? In the chat or from you two? In general. We're wrong. Yes. Uh, you're both wrong. Um, oh, the streak I is over. I felt good about mine, And uh, Hypothetical Man put a comment in there that I just breezed through. He goes, it would be so diabolical if we put a pitcher on this list. No. Because it is. No. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Pitchers wouldn't <laughs> have ever crossed my mind as an option. Oh, and somebody said it looks like Cole Hamill's body. I was thinking that, but I just didn't. I didn't think I didn't it could think be these him. were on the table. What is happening here? This That's one. Not this fair. one gets an asterisk. You and Renee Chris cheated. are. <laughs> I did not cheat. What was your answer? I still got it wrong. What was your answer? Bryson Stott. Mine was Don Brown. You put Don it Brown. Just, it was just Bryson. I I considered Bryson, but I didn't I think he was tall enough. Bryson. I know the height was. And then I considered up. Garrett I just, Stubbs, was very slim. but I no. wasn't considering pitchers. So fuck you, Tyler and Chris, uh, very much. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow with another one. I was feeling so great after our chat like with John, and then I, I feel like we just got we just got robbed. Yeah, that is just <laughs> That's evil. That's just evil. That was so rude. I agree. <laughs> it is. It is kind of messed up. Like, good lord. I guess we never specified I, batters. We did just say guess that stands. I, said we need to have a list okay we need to have like you a know, I, we need like I a name bank i should have dropped you down bank. to well this guy didn't hit after was it 2020 <laughs> i can promise you that i would have guessed cliff, cliff chat, Lee. listen everybody in the chat i was all for we need to have a name bank so mm. we have some options of who is no, possibly never. it you know not no. a multiple choice but you know something similar well, pitchers apparently I'm not are. Giving you a are, word bank for a team you watch every day for the last 15 years. Pitchers are on the list. But that's it. Just there's so many options. There's so many people that it could be dating back to 2006. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like realistically speaking, it's not going to be so many people because no. we're gonna we're going to eliminate like. Like John Mayberry is probably not going to yeah, be on. Like it. maybe he will. Aaron Altair. Who knows? Tyler Goodell is not going to be on this list. <laughs> yeah. There's just it's a lot. But okay, I'm um, you know one positive is Jamie so Taguchi isn't gonna make the list. Or is that probably, what you're telling me? Probably not. Mm. How's this L feel, Jamie? I mean, welcome to the L side. It feels okay because mm -hmm. uh, we got sandbag. <laughs> All right. Oh wow. Yeah. Breaking news, guys. James Edward Lynch. <laughs> breaking news. I, I like how he did a fake microphone. Like there's not a real microphone right here. Breaking news, James Edward Lynch's streak has snapped. Yeah, my like boss, a potato Jim chip. said my boss just texted me, yo, it's Jamie's spreading. streak is uh, over. I'm hearing all around the world just got Damn news it. and my confirmation Google alert in just China. Went off. Oh, phone's going through the roof because mm. James Edward Lynch is done. That's a wrap, and he's not going to get any more right. Womp, womp. All right, James, wrap us up here. Uh, yeah, big thanks to, to Jonathan honest. Papelbon for hopping on oh, with us today. Oh, me, actually. Yeah, you're the driver today. Wow, I'm sorry. I got this. Yeah, take it. Um, all right, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another edition of PHY Flakes Podcast. Glad you enjoyed our conversation with Jonathan Papelbon. So happy he was able to take time out of his day to join us and weigh in on everything from his name. Naked stretching to pooping and shoes. I forgot about the naked stretching. To, I did not. I don't know how you forgot. That was a highlight. I think that's one of the top five things I took away from that yeah, conversation. Yeah, you're not wrong. To uh, just everything, training with 
the Terminator as his favorite movie. Not a Hallmark guy, but a documentary guy. We learned a lot today, guys. So as always, be sure to follow. We've got another live episode tomorrow. We're back at noon, our usual scheduled time that will be live. Uh, no, possibly a guest tomorrow. We will see. We'll, we'll oh, surprise absolutely. you. Oh, absolutely. Hammered is actually going to be joining us tomorrow oh, okay. at 12.30. I, I was teasing it out, but okay, there you oh, go. Okay. So we've got yeah. Ashley Hammered. You'll be here with us tomorrow virtually joining us on the show. And so for our guest, John Pabelbon, Tyler Zuli, James finally took an L Lynch and Renee Washington. Wow. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and we'll see you back here for more PHY Phillies podcast tomorrow. Hasta mañana, amigos. <laughs> 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 <laughs>